Hello, friends. Welcome to another edition of the ATC Double Cut. I am Micah Woods. On this show, we talk about turfgrass topics, and I talk about content that I've written about on the ATC website and use that to have a longer conversation about that topic that goes beyond the few minutes that it would take to read the blog post. Uh, In today's episode, I'm happy to have a very special guest, someone who I've worked with for a long time. It is Dr. Larry Stowell, the visiting research director from Pace Turf. Welcome, Larry. Thanks, Micah. Glad to be here. I am glad to have you here. And the reason why I invited you onto the ATC Double Cut for this episode is because we're going to talk about a topic that you invented, the turfgrass growth potential, and we're going to talk about a derivation of that or a, and derivation is the wrong word, a use of it that is is really interesting and it has to do with overseeding warm season grass with cool season grass. All right. And we can use a blog post that I wrote some, I, I wrote this in 2017, and this blog post, I'll bring it up on the screen, has a title of Warm Season Grass, Autumn Temperatures, and Winter Overseeding. This, um, this is something that I learned about from you, because I'd always thought of growth potential as a kind of a a way to predict how grass would grow through the year, but I thought of it just a single grass species. So just thought of here's how ryegrass would grow or here's how Bermuda grass would grow. And then thinking about not only how it would grow through the year, but how the nutrients might be supplied to the grass through the year. But then you told me that if you look at the growth potentials together, if you look at both the warm season and the cool season growth potential and look at the difference difference between them, it can be a really useful tool to explain overseeding success or challenges. Yeah, that was uh, one of the reasons we started developing or looking at uh, growth potential or trying to figure out some way to look at expected growth uh, of grasses was the challenges that they have in the desert areas, the low desert areas here in California and Arizona and Nevada. Uh, some years, uh, the overseeding would be great. Other years, it would be disastrous. And we wanted to try to figure out some way we could help communicate those problems or why those problems were occurring. It's not uh, It's not because the superintendent did something wrong. It's because the weather just didn't uh, favor the cool season grass at the right time. And it's, uh, it's something that I didn't quite understand at first, which, you know, for many things, you know, if you're learning something new, there's always a, a, a bit of a learning curve or a time when you don't know something and you tran- transition from not understanding it to understanding it. And when I'd written this blog post originally back in 2017, it was, uh, I think I was coming to the end of that learning process. And maybe I was trying to explain it to somebody else also. And in fact, I wrote this, I think, because Jim Schmidt had written to me um, mentioning, or he'd made a comment that that year was particularly difficult or something. And so I looked up the temperatures for that year. And I thought this post is 
an interesting introduction to this topic because it starts with temperature. So it, it starts and shows how the temperature is and how you can't get so much information out of the temperature. And after you convert it to a growth potential, that's kind of interesting, but you can't actually get so much about the overseeding simply from the growth potential. But when you look at cool season and warm season growth potential and the difference, all of a sudden, um, a, a date suddenly appears. And then from that date, you can start to make some inferences about how challenging that particular year was or how suitable that year was for different overseeding dates. Right. So um, I'll, I will put a direct link to this blog post in my uh, show notes for this episode. So you can click through. This is a three minute read on the ATC website. And it has some links to the original uh, growth potential paper from Wendy Galerter and Larry Stowell. And it explains what I've done here. The, and the location we'll look at is Palm Springs. This is data from the Palm Springs, California airport. And this first chart that I'm showing is the temperature, the average temperature in degrees Fahrenheit starting in August going through December. And it just looks like a jumble of lines because this is from 1922 up to 2016. And you can see that the average temperature starts off in between 80 to 100 degrees Fahrenheit in August, and that daily average temperature declines to about 60 degrees Fahrenheit in December. But it's all over the place. It's bouncing around, it's jumping up and down. If you look at a chart like this, Larry, I don't think that a uh, optimum overseeding date really becomes apparent, does it? No, it doesn't pop out. Right, so, so temperature alone, uh, you know, we, we can look at that and that <clears throat> obviously is the controlling factor, but if we can express the temperature as a diff in a different kind of way, that's where potential is really useful here. And now there's a really pretty chart. And all I've done in this chart is taken those same temperatures from 1922 to 2016 and express them as a growth potential. And the warm season growth potential is shown in red and the cool season growth potential is seen in blue. And now we start to see something. Um, this sort of looks like a piece of modern art. Uh, John Kaminsky, if you're watching this, maybe you would like to work with me on making this into an NFT. This could be <laughs> quite, it's beautiful. Um, I'm, I'm willing to, to offer this as an NFT. Anyway, you can see that the growth potential is close to one or 100% for August and most of September and up to about the start of October, and then it tends to decline. And the cool season growth potential is close to zero in August and September, and then it starts to go up. And you can see that the cool season growth potential always exceeds the warm season growth potential sometime in November. Um, but this chart itself is just a jumble of lines also, but you can, you can sort of see that the blue's going up and the red's going down. So we can go beyond this and just start subtracting them. So instead of looking at both of them together, we can, we can look at the difference between them, which is still looking at both of them together, but um, now it is looking at the just at the difference. 
So this next chart, Larry, mm -hmm. this is a cumulative sum that now shows the C3 and the C4 growth potentials dip down and then it comes up. So as that's declining, it means that the warm season growth potential is higher than the cool season growth potential. And when that those lines are going up, when it's on the upswing, then that means that the cool season growth potential is higher than the warm season growth potential. So the very bottom of that dip that we see at the point where that is at a minimum, that is a point at which the maybe maybe we could say as far as what the grass sees the temperatures are changing to favor cool season grass over warm season grass yeah yeah that inflection point's pretty good and it'll vary from year to year and then in those uh, desert locations they don't get to pick the date that they overseed uh, because they have various restrictions on when they can overseed so some years one group uh, will look like they were champions and the other years another group uh, depending on the date that they overseeded and the inflection point uh, of course it's not quite as serious as it used to be in the past because they use a lot more aggressive methods for taking the uh, uh, bermuda down and, and burning it down with herbicides and growth regulators but it still can be a serious problem and if you don't get full establishment of the ryegrass before it gets too cold, then you're just stuck with a sort of a, a thin ryegrass stand until February, and then it'll finally be filling in. So you can you could be too early or be too late? Yeah, it depends on the year, where that inflection point is, because if you get it down too early, uh, you're, the Bermuda's gonna still be growing like crazy. And in those cases, when the if the you know, I guess in both cases, if you just don't get a strong enough stand, you're just going to be putting more ryegrass out. And in today's economic conditions and availability of ryegrass seed, you really would rather not put out another 400 pounds of rye seed. Well, rye. that would that would be expensive. So then, then I, I took those data. Um, I I found the bottom of those inflection points, and I found the specific date at which that occurred from 1998 up to 2017, and it generally happened sometime from late September up until about November 1st. So there's, there is uh, a big, wide range uh, of, of when that can happen, so it's a bit of a of a crapshoot really when you're doing the overseeding about whether it's going to be a great year weather-wise or whether it's going to be a particularly challenging year weather-wise. And there's one more chart that I showed that I think it's, it's interesting to look at what the average is. So this one shows uh, Palm Springs, California from 1922 through 2016. And the average date for that inflection point was October 13th. Mm. So, um, but it, it varied. In 1959, the date was uh, September 15th, which is extremely early. That was the earliest. And the latest date 
was October 31st of 2015. And the nice thing about the way that I've done this, I, I, I made all these calculations in R and, uh, I can update this. So that gives me an idea. Uh, I should update this because I just did this to, through 2016. I would like to update it and, and see what it is in recent years. Yeah. So, but you were telling me that this is not something that people can actually, well, it, you can't really predict it, right? Because you've got the, the overseeding scheduled and you can just try, I think, on average to, pre to schedule it around October 13th or October 20th or something like that, if you could. Um, but then if the weather changes, there are many years when that average date won't be the optimum date, right? So you've been explaining to me that um, this particular tool, although it could be useful for planning on a very large scale, it um, it's probably better it's probably better used as a diagnostic or explanatory tool. Yeah, I think they're more it's, uh, frequently. I think it can be used as a communication tool for why you might have had a problem with an overseed. It didn't establish uh, properly either. It you had to apply the seed, drop the seed too early, and the Bermuda competed with the ryegrass enough to thin out the ryegrass stand and then the Bermuda goes dormant and things are kind of ratty for another month or two. Or you can uh, uh, apply too late also uh, when it and it's uh, too cool for the ryegrass to really get established ideally. So you're you're just a little bit slow. But if there's a um, I, I, yeah it's probably there's probably an optimum time every year but it's not the same period of time each year and that's, right that's, but yeah. yeah but if you if you look at what the average is over multiple years that could give some insight on when you'd have the highest probability of of it being a good time to see yeah but well if we look at those uh can we look at those other charts we're just uh, peeking at yeah I, I i will bring that up larry um yeah, so these ones show recently. Can you, some people, Larry, will be um, listening to this. So please explain as well as you can what we're looking at on these growth potential charts. Okay, we're looking at a few years of the plots of the um, cool season growth potential uh, minus the warm season growth potential. So during the winter time, the uh, there's a blue line that we're using for the, the average or are using for the year we're looking at, which is, for example, uh, we're going to compare it to 2021. So we have the full year of uh, growth potential where it stays above zero, the delta chains above zero until you get into about May. And then the, it goes through zero, goes negative. Uh, so that we're seeing the warm season dominating because it's C3 minus C4. Through the summer, the warm season dominates. And then the area of the curve that we're most interested in is when that curve turns up in the, in the, in the autumn, in the fall, uh, as, and the cool seasons start to dominate again. So that, mm -hmm. that's what we're showing in these graphs. And, and the, the overlays we're seeing here, we're looking at 19, uh, we're looking at 2021, and the red line is 2022. 
So that's this mm -hmm. year, year to date, and we're a couple of weeks at least behind the time when cool season grasses were going to be growing favorably last year. So yeah. uh, it's it'll be a it's going to be quite a difference compared to if you compared 2021 to 2020. Uh, it'll be quite a uh, a difference in 2022. So this year it looks like there's going to be a little bit of a rough bump. Uh, if you if you overseeded early, uh, if you're overseeding after the I think the 15th of October, I think you're going to have pretty good luck. Um, but before the 15th of October, it's going to be a little bit uh, sketchy due to the competition with the warm season grasses. Yeah, because what that chart is showing for this year is that the growth potential for cool season grass was extremely low until October 15th and it's only recently been uh, it's only recently been been getting a little bit better but even now the warm season growth potential is still higher than the cool season growth potential so for this for these charts to match up exactly with what I was showing which was cumulative we would be looking at the point where that line crosses the zero point so that would be the inf inflection point I, I think, and uh, your yeah. way of making these charts is much, this is a much more elegant way to uh, to do it than than the cumulative sum, I think. I guess one of, the, one of the things that, to note that uh, in the Palm Desert area is it looks like the conditions are similar to 2020. So if everybody can remember a couple of years ago how the overseed went, it looks like this year is going to be similar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it, it's certainly tracking very closely. Larry, could you scroll up and look at 2017 and see if that was a late year also, if that matches with, with what my blog post was showing? Yeah, see? So look at 2017 there, Larry. That, that crossed over uh, in, in early November. November. Yeah, right. Yep. Yeah. So, so 2017 was also quite a late year in terms of uh the temperature stayed warm right. uh for uh, all through october and so that right. also 2017 would have also been an extremely difficult year for um for an early overseed yeah and then most of these locations they'll try to have their uh their overseed really beautiful by thanksgiving so if if there's not enough time for after the warm season grasses stopped competing with the ryegrass for the ryegrass to grow up and get a full stand with multiple tillers, uh, things will look weak. So it's because it gets it gets cold in the desert. Mm -hmm. So those cool season grasses don't really grow like crazy. You can see their uh, maximum GPS aren't that high. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's uh, yeah because in the in the winter you're you're not um, you're not as peak for cool season grasses in, in the winter as you are peak for warm season grasses in the summer. Right. So it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's very interesting. And uh, just a note here, Larry, all of the Pace Turf subscribers can find charts like this on the weather tab on, on the website. So if you go to paceturf.org and go to the weather tab, uh, at the top of the page, you can find the C3 minus C4 GP chart, and that will show you this um, 
five-year climate summary chart of this particular uh, item. So it may be interesting for you if you're in uh, in an area where you overseed or if you wonder what this chart would look like for your location, you have that in your in your weather page. Absolutely. And we, yeah, and and we're working on updating the code uh, to in the future to have some of these overlays of the current year-to-date information. So when we see something interesting that seems like it's timely and could be useful, we can also share that. So I think it's. It's really good insight on your part, Larry, uh, on on many uh, many things related to this. Number one, just coming up with growth potential anyway, which seems so simple once we've thought of it. But uh, before it existed, um, it it didn't exist. So uh, <laughs> you know, it's it. But now that we have it, it's like wow, that that sure is a cool way to express how grasses grow through the season. And then also to come up with the idea of looking at the difference between them, which is also something quite simple, but then it shows when you're doing overseeding or if you're looking in the springtime when you might be transitioning, when when the transition would happen and when you might time activities related <laughs> to that, that, uh, that also shows quite clearly on this type of chart. So it was a great insight to have the difference between them. And then I think it's really, really interesting to plot the current year's year-to-date data over last year and over the previous year and over the year before that. Some recent years that one can remember and just say, okay, um, because every, every golf course superintendent or, or turfgrass manager knows that the weather plays a controlling role in how the turfgrass is going to perform and how it's going to look and the types of work that are required. So to be able to compare this year's weather data at your location to the previous years uh, can provide some insight and some understanding about some, you know, if something worked really good in that year and the weather seems to be the same, then maybe that's going to work good this year too. Yeah. So well, well done, Larry. I, I am in awe sometimes of all of the impressive turf grass things that you've come up with. It's all fun stuff. I'm, I'm looking <laughs> forward to see what you do next. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So for, uh, for anybody who doesn't know, um, and in fact, I don't think we announced this the last time we talked. Larry was a a guest on the ATC Office Hours show earlier this year when we also talked about turfgrass growth potential. And when we did that, I recall, Larry, that, um, yeah, we we just talked about growth potential. We didn't we didn't announce that I would be taking over as the director of Pace Turf. And we announced that in the end of June, I believe. And since mm-hmm. then, I've been in charge of Pace Turf. And uh, yeah, it's it's a wonderful information resource for turf grass managers all over the world where you can find information like these growth potential charts. Yeah. Subscribe. That's all we can say. Sign up today. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, sign <laughs> sign up today. That uh, I don't have sponsors for the ATC double cut, but if I would read advertisements, I and and I may sometime I'll just start reading advertisements from Pace Turf and just give all some of the reasons or examples. I I maybe I should do a segment on the show. I know you're not really into <laughs> podcasts and and watching uh, my Turfgrass YouTube videos, are you, Larry? Uh, I periodically watch them. You do you periodically watch? Do you listen or, well, or listen or mostly, more of a mostly, watch? It it varies. It depends on on which one. I do a little of both. Okay, so maybe maybe I could liven up the show <laughs> if I had segments. What do you think of this as a segment idea? If I, uh, yeah, I, I could highlight features uh, yeah. of uh, or or key information that you can find at the paceturf.org website. Sure. That 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 could be exciting. That that gives me an idea. Yeah. All right. Well, I will share a link to that uh, previous conversation that we had about the turfgrass growth potential uh, in the show notes also. Do you have anything else, Larry, that you'd like to share? I, I, think, um, I think this should be part one of this particular discussion about the overseeding timing. And I think it would be interesting to talk again in a few weeks after the temperatures are, are obviously clearly better for cool season grass and maybe look at some different locations or something. Would you be up for that? Sure, sure. Yeah, and it's just this uh, this Delta GP thing is kind of interesting for looking at climates. So, you know, we have the blue and red graphs for growth potential normally uh, to sort of characterize the climate to see whether it's transition or overseeding or cool season or warm season dominated. This Delta model is, is nice for giving you just like a single line that gives you an idea of how the grasses might interact. Um, or just give you an idea of the climate that, that uh, is either going to mm -hmm. for sure dominate one or the other. And Yeah, uh, I, I think this would be really interesting for transition zone areas also. Uh -huh. So if, you know, yeah. if you're in Tennessee or North Carolina or Virginia or something, and maybe you're, you're growing all uh, one type of grass, or you're growing both warm and cool season grass, you may may not be doing overseeding, but you're dealing with a climate that sometimes is more suitable for warm season, sometimes is more suitable for cool season. Um, this type of uh, delta growth potential, looking at the difference between cool season and warm season, could be quite um, quite interesting to look at for <laughs> the types of uh, the times of year when when one grass is preferentially growing over the other. Yeah, and I think it also helps in the, for variety selection in NTEP trials. We've talked about this a little bit. If you uh, have an idea of what your climate looks like in a simple graph, then you can compare it to the, the NTEP locations, which PASTER provides those uh, also. So you can get a rough idea which location you might want to look at. And you know, like in California, we only have uh, UC Riverside. And there's not too many areas where they uh, are, are running NTEP trials. But it's interesting, in that location is a sort of a transition 
environment. It's in between the desert and in the coast. So it's like it doesn't favor. It's like nothing's favorable for cool season or warm season grasses. It's, <laughs> it's, it's ideal for stress, stressing grasses out. Either, yeah, either it, stress, it, cool and warm season grasses. Yeah, that's uh, I see some of the photos from Dr. Jim Baird uh, mm -hmm. sharing some of the diseases that they get and the, the salinity stress and the drought stress. And sometimes he's so successful that the grass even dies. So that, yeah. yeah, you can do that in that kind of location. Very easily. All right. All right, Larry. Well, thank you so much for joining me for this discussion. And, and let's plan to talk again in, in a few weeks or in a month or something when we have a chance to look at some different locations and, and discuss more about this Delta GP. So this one was just kind of to introduce that this exists that you can look at the difference between it. I know some people are already aware of that, but for people who aren't, um, um, then this is, serves as an introduction. And I'll probably put some updates about this also on, on the Paster website. So check it out and uh, be sure to subscribe. All right. Thanks, Larry, Bye. for joining. And uh, I'll talk with you next time. Bye-bye. Okay. I will sign off. From the show, everybody, for ATC from Yantikau, Thailand, I am Micah Woods. <laughs>